This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. Almost everyone out there is hoping that there's some kind of return to normal by August, September. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And over the next hour, we're going to explore the big money issues in the world of sports. A complicated week, to say the least, a troubling week, I think, for everyone in this country. We're going to talk in a few minutes about the protests and some more recent events. Even in the last 24 hours, we're taping this on Thursday morning. Drew Brees uh, weighing in and very controversially. Let's put a pin in that for a second and talk about something a little bit happier, which is it looks like we've got a plan for basketball. We do. And it's funny, like most Americans, I wake up every day and I say, oh, I got nothing to look forward to today, except, of course, doing this show. As you know. Of course. And- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear. Let's be clear. But now this gives the sports fans something to look forward to. Wow. OK, July 31st. It looks like we're going to have NBA basketball. And they're not going to be any fans. They're not going to be any home crowd chants in the arena and organs pounding away. They're all going to be playing in the same arena down at Disney World. But we're going to have it. And you know, and if I'm a fan of the six teams that mathematically were out of the playoff picture, like Washington, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Phoenix, I'm triply excited because now there's going to be basketball for my team. And, you know, they're all going to be down in Orlando. Um, the uh, the NBA and their commissioner have the best relationship of any player slash commissioner of the four major sports. And, and they got it done. And I'm, and I'm looking forward to it. And I know that a lot of other sports fans are going to say, bring it on. Totally. I'm super excited, too. And I really I agree with you and, and just want to amplify what you're saying, which is I, I love the fact that there was – very little drama, it seems, in getting this done. And now, again, and you and I were talking about this before you came on air, like, who knows what's going to happen over the next few days? We hope that it's not going to take a left turn. It was marching, as we're recording this, toward uh, some sort of agreement. They seem to be uh, agreed on all the major points, and and hopefully uh, the details don't derail anybody. You know, you look at this, as we have constantly been doing, and I think it's important to point out, you look at this against the backdrop of, the NHL, good job. You look at it against the backdrop of MLS, good job. Maybe we'll talk about that in a second. And then you have this outlier of Major League Baseball, which is just finding new and different ways to mess this up. Well, historically, the union has always been the strongest, and their players, I've said this before, have always been the most obstinate in negotiations and even when you just have a casual encounter with them in the locker room. They have to make everything very, very difficult. They're the spoiled brats of of the four major teams. They have to have, I want it my way or I'm taking my ball and bat and I'm going home. And this is this no different right now. Um, you've got young kids, um, you know, high school uh, teenagers. Um, 
are there friends playing baseball or lacrosse in the spring? What, lacrosse. What, 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 lacrosse, lacrosse, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because, you know, even over the course, I'm glad you asked that because we talk about it all the time in, in my house. And, you know, my kids are huge sports fans. And so we'll go to games. We were in L.A. last summer. We went to a Dodgers game. That was cool. And I had never been to Dodgers Stadium. And so, you know, and, and they were super into that. We had great seats. And but they're not going to watch a baseball game on TV and they don't play baseball and they play lacrosse all in. I mean, if I'm interviewing a baseball player, they're like, okay, let me Google that and see how this guy is. But if I'm interviewing Paul Rabel, they are sitting up straight and really excited about that. And I think it is, I think we will look back at this year, I fear, uh, as an even bigger step down for baseball than we saw 20, what is it, 25 years ago with the strike. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can argue that baseball recovered, but I'm not sure it's going to recover in a meaningful way from this. Well, there weren't any other issues going on in the country at that particular time. That's right. And there was, our, our attention was diverted. So there was no World Series. Well, you know what? Uh, the NFL was going on and uh, the NBA camps were just starting up. Uh, NHL was just dropping the puck in the first week in October. And the heck with these guys. We'll see you next April. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we did forgive and we did forget about it. But this, with everything that's good, with people out of work, people that are dying, the whole pandemic, uh, now the, uh, the, uh, the George Floyd incident and the reaction in the fall out from that i don't think i think it's going to take a long time for for people to forgive baseball players if they if they wind up canceling this season because of their selfishness i agree i i couldn't agree more you know meanwhile i wanted to pivot to something that is a little bit closer to home for you geographically uh that i feel like we didn't talk about and very close to to my heart which is something else that's not going to happen and that's the boston marathon and i have to say i've run the marathon a few times and it really, in a way, in a very personal way, really disappointed me. Like, I felt genuinely sad about the idea that, you know, folks who had qualified for that were not going to get the opportunity to, to do it this year. Yeah, it's the first time in history that it has been canceled. I followed it as a kid. I used to hang out when I was in college for 40 years. I, I covered it um, from sitting on the uh, the truck and right, you know, face to face with the lead runner to the anchor booth at the at the finish line. And this race turned into um, it went from the elite people in the world winning the race, and now it's become the race of the people who are running for an individual or for causes. And the amount of money that are raised for charity through this Boston Marathon is astronomical for hospitals, for uh, for cancer research, for heart disease, uh, for ALS. Um, there are just groups of people. Teddy Bruschi, the, uh, the f former linebacker yeah. for the Patriots, suffered a stroke at one time, and he has a group called Teddy's Runners, and they yep. run, uh, you know, for uh, for to, to stroke prevention and stroke awareness. And so there's 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 a myriad of causes that are all losing tens of millions of dollars because this road race. Uh, has been canceled. But they really had no choice because so many people come in from other parts of the world to run this race right. and you just can't take the chance. And, and how do you control it? I mean, how do you control? And and this race, as you've seen along the way, and you've, uh, did you run, you ran Boston, you said, right? I did. Yeah, I've run it three times. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. That's uh 
I have great admiration for anybody that can do it. But you see the people, they're shoulder to shoulder, oh, 10 yeah. deep. When you, yeah, when you get down around Wellesley College. And oh, yeah. Get down I thought it's so funny you said the Wellesley College thing because for those unfamiliar with the marathon, it is a grand tradition that the women of Wellesley come out and, and I am not making this up, like literally are kissing the runners as they go by. And I'm glad you brought that up because when it was canceled, I thought, well, even if they had it, that was one tradition that was not going to go on, I think it's fair to say. Good Lord. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and uh, I have three daughters. They all went to Boston College. They loved lining the streets yeah. on Palm Ave when you went by BC. That's when you're coming down the Cleveland Circle, and that's when the crowds really start to thicken right there from that, that when you're coming down Beacon Street. and uh, But, you know, business-wise— a lot of money lost. Uh, totally. And, and, well, I just and think about, Mike, I think about the, the business lost in, in the North End, you know, everybody going to have their pasta yeah. dinners <laughs> the night before. I mean, the, the economic ripple effect is massive, and it's such a showcase of Boston, and you've got the early Red Sox game. Anyway, I could go on and on, I, but I have to say, like, I really, like, it It hurt my heart a little bit, um, you know, seeing that decision made, even though I know it was the right one. It pained Mayor Walsh. He said it's just not feasible this yeah. year and I, I know they did everything they could they looked at every single possible way to do it and they just said we just can't do it we can't take the risk all right you know mike we talked about this earlier in the week on our podcast you've been talking about it around your dinner table i know i've been talking about it around my dinner table as well we spent every part of every day trying to make sense of what's going on in our country right now and the fact of the matter is is that Athletes are at the center of so many public conversations, especially now. Talk to me about Drew Brees, because a guy who is widely admired, to say the least, really looked up to, waded into this in a way that really drew the ire of a lot of his teammates and a lot of pro athletes even outside of football. Well, on Wednesday, Drew Brees uh, said he didn't understand anyone who wouldn't stand and put their hand over their heart for the national anthem. Uh, and he obviously was referring to Colin Kaepernick and other NFL players uh, who did that. Wisely, less than 24 hours later, on uh, Thursday morning, he posted an Instagram and he said that he was, uh, he'd like to apologize. He totally missed the mark. Uh, he said, I'd like to apologize to my team, the NFL, and anyone that I heard. I need to do less talking and more listening. And and I thought that was really a, a profound move by him. You know, I, I, I happened to do an interview with Ari Fleischer, uh, the press secretary for mm -hmm. uh, George Bush, and I did it two days ago for another show I do up here in Boston. And when he, he, we were talking about uh, crisis control and reputation uh, restoration. And he said, I'm sorry goes a long, long way. Yeah. And he cited a couple of examples of Mark McGuire. Uh, yes, I took steroids. I'm sorry. I apologize. And he eventually got to work his way back into baseball. Andy Pettit said, I'm sorry. I took uh, steroids. I was wrong. And his whole thing went away. So I think this is going to help Drew Brees. Um, I know Louis Riddick, uh, who's uh, an African-American former NFL player, um, applauded Brees and, and welcomed his his uh, his apology and thought it was a, a great step in the right direction and, and called it true leadership. Um, rather than just uh, just hiding behind it, coming out and saying, I was wrong, I made a mistake, I missed the mark, and uh, I, 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 will, I will do everything I can uh, to, uh, to be more aware and do less talking and more listening. Yeah. I like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, watching, again, we're taping this on, on Thursday morning and you know, watching it all play out last night and, and see some, uh, some other athletes, LeBron James among them, you know, come out 
ferociously uh, against what what Drew Brees had said, and essentially saying you're missing the point. I mean, in terms of what Kaepernick was was trying to do, and and I do think that that backlash, of course, led to the apology that that you just described. It is a reminder of how quickly these things can escalate, and and will see. Uh, you know, hopefully, Drew Brees has been able to de-escalate it, as you said, with with that apology, which did seem heartfelt and and sincere. Uh, it was a reminder to me of how raw things are right now um, and how immediate uh, it can be. And, and we're seeing that in, in the streets of our cities uh, every day. And, and we're also seeing it play out in sports. And, and I do wonder what you think this means as we go forward in terms of, for lack of a better term, sort of athlete empowerment. It feels like we've come a, a, a long way, I think in a good way in that, you know, We've always looked to, to players in many ways, but players seem more uh, inclined and, and more emboldened in a positive way to, to say what's on their mind. And we do look to them as, as leaders. And we could argue or, or debate or, or however you want to frame it forever, you know, what the role of athletes should be. And I go back to, you know, I'm not a role model from Charles Barkley, I believe, and, you know, having watched the last dance and seeing Dennis Rodman and sort of reliving uh, all of that. But, you know, being an athlete right now, and I know a lot of folks out there are playing the world's smallest violins for, for athletes because they do make a lot of money, but they are in the public spotlight. And I think that has really been proven this week. Well, I think it comes with uh, accountability, responsibility, and reliability. If, if an athlete feels like, you know, he, he, he should be a role model, then they've got the perfect platform because yeah. young people aren't going to listen to the president. They're not going to listen to any civic leaders at all. Um, none of us listen to our parents when we were teenagers. And these are people they look up to. These are people whose posters they have on their wall. These are the people whose gear they buy, uh, whose sneakers they buy, whose jerseys they buy. And these people, many of them might not even realize what an impact they had. They maybe right. should go back and think about, hey, well, when I was 17, who did I look up to? You know, I That's looked right. up to Michael Jordan. But the other thing I'm concerned about going forward, will these voices still be heard once the games are restarted and resume? That's my big concern right here. Hey, hey I'm in season right now. Um, I'm just focusing on yeah. my next game against the Orlando Magic. I'm in season right now. I'm worried about my game against the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Will they continue to be vocal and take a stand and, and be out front once their games resume? That's a really interesting point. Yeah, the other thing I thought about, there was a great story. I don't know if you saw it. I meant to send it to you earlier in the week because it, it really struck me that Michael Rosenberg wrote for Sports Illustrated. And, and I'll read you the headline and, and the deck because it says, America doesn't benefit everybody. And then the subhead is, very few people spend their lives at the bottom and the top, but elite athletes often do. We should listen to them. And I thought it was such a simple but profound statement that we do have very few examples, and there are many more examples in the world of sports of people who really start out in very, very difficult circumstances, and then by virtue of hard work and some luck and skill and all these different things, and candidly, our collective obsession with sports, they are able to be both 
incredibly wealthy and incredibly influential. And there aren't many people who can see both sides of that maybe as clearly. And, and I know it's something that LeBron James has talked about a, a huge amount, you know, growing up in Akron and, and, uh, and his whole experience. So I, I did think it was worth remembering and, and worth noting that's why we do sometimes, I think, have to listen to – or maybe we should listen to some of these athletes who are who are able to articulate this as well because they do have a range of experience that, that maybe sometimes overlook. I think every one of us needs to look into the mirror and said, have we done enough listening? Have right. we done enough to affect change? And, and I think, uh, unfortunately, this death of George Floyd and the fallout will force all of us to do a great deal of self-introspection, I hope. This is a great learning experience for us right now. All right. I'm Jason Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at WCVB. We're here every week at this time. And catch our Apple podcasts on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. You're listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.